leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Taking over, breaking into cybersecurity, not Renee, not Chris, but I've got two awesome ladies joining in, Samara and Naomi. CISO Thursdays, everyone, welcome. What's up? How's it going? You know, it's awesome to have you all here. How's it going? We'll go around the horn, but before we do that, I got to do the quick shout out. So for everyone tuning in, this show is live. Go subscribe to the Breaking Into Cybersecurity podcast on YouTube, follow Renee, Chris, Samara, Naomi, and myself on LinkedIn. If you are not doing so right now, comment, let us know where you're uh, from, where you're watching from as we get going. But we'll start off. So around the horn this time, we got to go this way to Samara, and then we'll go to Naomi. All right. Well, Samara Williams, manager of third operations. Um, I'm just here to have fun today and talk about breaking into cybersecurity. Is that... That's what we're doing, right? All right, let's go. That's what we do on CISO Thursdays. Let's do it. And I'm Naomi. I'm a Director of Information Security and IT at Beam Technologies. And we're here to help you break into cybersecurity. So thank you for joining us. James, I love the intro video. Yeah, it was good. Such great production value. Right? It's pretty cool. I wanted to surprise him a little bit. I sent it in our signal group because the three of us got like a little signal group. And I got zero comments back from either one of them. I'm like, man, they hate it, but I'm going to play it anyways. There you um, go. But um, so, yeah, we're here. It's Thursday. It's before Labor Day weekend. Guys got any and, – and hang on. The, 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 I'll just bring him in. The well, man. He's, he's here. Ran straight in. I couldn't miss this. <laughs> you missed the intro, though. You missed the whole video, brother. What can I say? I made it. I was loading very slowly. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Let everyone know who you are, please. This, this um, is your show. I'm just taking over today. Well, thank you, guest hosts. <laughs> thank you, Samara, for joining us. Thank you, Naomi, for joining us. I am Chris Foulon, um, co-host of Breaking Into Cybersecurity and co-host of CISO Thursdays, along with the CISO up there. Uh, Mr. James Azar, and the VCs, VCs over there, uh, Miss Naomi Buckwalter. <clears throat> so what, what do we have on the table for today, folks? Well, we've got a lot of stuff on the table for today. So last week we talked about age discrimination, right? And it, it was a very contested topic. Uh, a lot of people were coming in with different examples of ageism in some way or another. But we want to talk about something a little bit more real today, right? And, and realer than ageism, yes, absolutely, because there is a, what is it? The statistics said that um, almost over 92% of all CISA roles are held by males. Sounds about right. And I'm guessing the majority of them are going to end up being white males as well to further worsen the situation. 
Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if you make a situation. <laughs> we want to go down one rabbit hole. Let's not get, go down seven of them, right? We want to address the fact that on, on CISO Thursdays, we talk real issues, real things that go on that impact our industry, people trying to break into security. We see a bunch of different things where um, last week when we talked about ageism, where people who are going in a midlife career transition, kind of getting into security. And I want to open this up because I was lucky. I've had Samara on my podcast. And I want her to just briefly um, share how you got started in security. Mm -hmm. So so people have that. Because everyone knows everyone else's stories, but they don't know yours. Yeah, I'll try to make it as brief as possible since you threw that in there. It was nice. Uh, (laughs) Well, so I originally started um, in tech. Right. And I was going to school and working at the same time. I actually worked for Accenture Federal Services, working with like database admins and devs to improve um, the databases. And then um, I got my security plus. So that helped some. But honestly, I just um, I sort of threw caution to the wind and started applying like everywhere, even in different states. Um, And I got two opportunities. One was to work for a firewall company in San Antonio, Texas, which is where I was. And then the other was to come up to Columbus, Ohio, which is where I am currently, and uh, basically be a part of a program where I rotate through seven different companies and their cybersecurity programs and um, work um, in, in, in different areas of cybersecurity at each one. So DLP, incident response, threat intelligence. So I got, uh, in that two-year program, I got a lot of experience with different tools and concepts and methodologies and people, right, in cybersecurity, all different kinds of people in different industries. Um, And I noticed that what I could take advantage of was the close-knit community in Columbus. Um, So because I had that sort of unique advantage of CISOs and CIOs being aware of this glorified internship, I went and I met with some. And that kind of spawned off of more connections because CISOs uh, introduced me to other people and it just started, you know, building the web from there. That's awesome. Welcome to the show. Is my sound better now, gentlemen? Yes. It's fine, yeah. Yeah? Awesome. All right, let's get to some comments. Hello to from Aaron. Ashley says, hello. Super excited for this one. Anthony Munez. Hey, everyone. Thank you all for what you all do for us. That's a lot of y'all. Southern, yeah. That's definitely Southern. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a, a lot of y'all. And I'm from Georgia. Like, th- that's like the home of y'all. Yeah. Right? Like, you don't say y'all too much, James. I, I, because I'm not like I'm a transplant. I'm not a southerner, right? Like I'm a California boy through and through. Like, give me ocean. Um, your heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rudy says nice to meet everyone. We've got a LinkedIn user that said good morning or good afternoon. I don't know who that is. The magnificent Mr. James McQuiggan. <laughs> good afternoon to my favorite sisos and James. <laughs> James is the only person that I know greets himself in the third person. (laughs) Hello to Zam. Good afternoon to Josh. And uh, Mukund says, hey, Zoe's with us. Hey, Zoe. So is Mr. Paul coming. Team awesome. Love from beautiful Jacksonville, Florida. Go Bucks. Bucks. Josh, who's originally from Columbus. There you go. The great John Delacruz is with us. And Ron, Rockstar team, sir, we are just trying to follow the footsteps. Seriously. Um, I think it's sufficient, y'alls. Georgia baby, that's right, because Zoe and I represent the ATL. Um, I should play, I should, you know, I should get ludicrous to do like the intro to my show. Be crazy. <laughs> Wouldn't that be? Um, y'all works for everywhere, I guess. Hello from New York, and this is a Thursday gang. I hope you are safe, whoever this is in New York. Um, let me see who that is. Um, that's Mark. Um, 19 dead in New York from flooding. Wow. Um, what and a tragedy. Jersey. What the? Uh, from the uh, remnants of Hurricane Ida. So our hearts are with New York and the people of Jersey as they deal with that storm coming through. Uh, I'm so sorry, California. Aaron thinks that California is shaking his head. No, when I grew up in California, California was still a great place to be. Um, <laughs> put that out there. Mr. McQuiggan says, nice recovery and comeback, Mr. Azo. 
Actually, that was really impressive, James. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you should LOL, uh, meaning uh, Zoe says I should get Ludacris to do the intro to my podcast. I am going to reach out to my guy who knows Ludacris. Are you friends with Joe Rogan? Can we have him do it? You know, Joe's, Joe's got COVID right now, and the internet's really mad at Joe. Yeah, they are. Yes, they are. Yeah, the internet's mad at yes. Joe today. He could still do a voiceover for us. We like him. Come on. Yeah, we do. But it'd be so much cooler if we get, like, Luda to do it to, like, the Welcome to Atlanta beat. Like, just right there. Um, so I'm from PA. There's crazy flooding in PA as well. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about the where we're at in terms of the disparity in leadership. Because I think we can all count on our hands how many female CISOs exist in the marketplace today. Last week we talked about ageism. We're not taking some, if you guys want like fun topics, I suggest you tune somewhere else. We're going to have hard conversations. You know, at least five of them. Um, you know, five, right? Yes. I know. I know Samara's uh, big chief. Lori is one. Uh, Naomi's another. Mm-hmm. Right. We've got Olivia at uh, Amplitude. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, we've got uh, Meredith over at uh, Ellie May. We right, Helen Patton. We have Patton's um, no longer a CISO. She's a CISO advisor. She's at a vendor side. She left Ohio's the Ohio State. <laughs> you heard me say Ohio. I'd like be completely ops. Like she'd never answer an email again. The Ohio State University. She's now at a vendor. She's no longer leading a program. I'll take that away from her. Come you, on, you have you have Kristen. Um, that uh, is currently at uh, Florida um, Crystals. Um, yeah. You've got Kristen, and then you've got uh, Margarita over at um, uh, the Home Builders. Um, I forgot the name of the company. Um, you also have Kristen Davies at Esther Lauder Companies. There, there's, I mean, but the there's fact Monica that we're Bowen. struggling to come up with names is a pretty telling <laughs> sign. <laughs> Monica right. Verma, yeah, she's yeah, good. yeah. Monica's absolutely awesome. Um, but but think of that, like, we can't even name 10 of them. Uh, like, the, the, I bet you I can go to anyone that's like, the top Delta. 10 picks in the drafts. The CISO um, at Delta. Deborah Wheeler. Yes. And also the CISO at United um, mm. is also uh, a, a woman. Airlines uh, have, it seems to be, it might be industry trend. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. I mean, I will say for the position that I currently have, I there were like 70 something applicants and I didn't I was able to see all the people who replied and I think there was like me plus two other women in the whole list. Everyone else is a man and I was just like, wow. Well, so, so, so I was preparing for this episode today because it's a very sensitive topic, right? And some people are going to, you know, come out and 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 I want to keep it very factual. So let me give you a fact. All right? Statistics. This was done by um, HR, um, um, sorry, uh, not ZipRecruiter.com. They released statistics and they said for every C-level role, not just CISO, every C-level role, 90% of applicants are all male. Only 10% are women. But of the 90% of men who apply, only 25% are qualified for the job meaning they've got all the requirements that are required for the job. All the rest don't. They just simply apply. Meanwhile, the women who apply are either qualified or overqualified for it, but many women don't apply for the jobs because they're afraid they don't really qualify for the role because they don't meet one requirement in a list of seven. Let that sink in. Why? Apply like you're a four-year-old in a Batman costume, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, like, that's what we have personally. I mean, I see it all the time. If we want to just talk about tech, I think we can't have this conversation without an honest look at why women just aren't interested in getting these kinds of roles. Like, just just think about it. Like, why do some occupations have more females? Like, we don't talk about hiring more men in, like, childcare roles. I never hear that. Maybe I'm just not in that community. But, like, in our school system, like, what? oh, why are there so many more females than men? Like, there's... There's not that's not a conversation except when we flip it on its head and say why are there more men than women in tech? 
be like, well, have we ever talked about the reason why? Like maybe women just don't find it interesting or or probably more realistic. They do find it interesting, but there's so many barriers for them to stay there, be successful, endure their career. So we can have both of those conversations, but I don't hear that first part being discussed very much, which is like, is there a real interest, the same amount of interest between women and men in technology? I think it goes even further back, right? Because by the time you decide what you want for your career, you're already in high school, you're already picked out your college, but you've already been stigmatized that you either like tech or don't like tech by the time you're in elementary school or even middle school. So if you don't offer it as a non-gender biased type career opportunity at that young age, you, you form your bias already. How do we get that number from 90 and 10 to uh, 70, 30? I mean, I worked so I worked with an organization way back when, um, and we started to target sixth grade females and get them interested into technology. And I thought it was a really good time, especially because that's when you start thinking about like, oh, what do I want to be when you grow up and things like that. And it was like we did a whole like preach. It was me. I did a preach on how you don't have to be a, <laughs> a nurse or a doctor if you don't want to be, or uh, not a doctor. That's not. But in, you know, a nurse or a teacher, the ones that women are expected to do, right? Or a stay-at-home mom, right? If you don't want to do that, don't do that. But if you want to get in tech, get into tech. Um, I have talked to people as well who aren't as fond of these um, industries because of some of the culture around it, being surrounded by men, and you know, I'm not gonna say men are gross. But, you know, some, some women think they are, right? I have a hard time um, understanding that because I've always been in male-dominated fields. I was in, I was in personal training before I was in tech, and then I got into cybersecurity. So I'm just used to them, you know, and um, some people aren't. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a bit like the whole thing of like this macho ecosystem of men is very disturbing, right? And I say that as a man because one of the things I'm always critical of is how do we – um, create an environment where it's not like, it's not a boys club, right? Right. Where you're inclusive of everyone in their own respective way. That kind of goes to what originally CISA Thursdays was born out of the idea of diversity of thought, mm-hmm. right? Where you want people who really do, um, you, you want people who you really see kind of outside of the purview of just something very, very specific and that are really motivated to share ideas. And one of one of the challenges, I think, you know, you talked about sixth grade. I'll go, I'll go beyond that. I think part of the challenge is it's culture. Think of like career day at school. How many moms go out there that are in tech and talk to kids about career day in school? Yeah, silence. I can't believe I'm keeping this panel silent. No, I mean, I I went and I promoted that um, both boys and girls can do it um, to my son's kindergarten school. Um, And it was actually the girls that had the most intellectual questions. I mean, granted for like a kindergarten or first grade, like, but they were asking like the really interesting questions that even made me think like, okay, well, how do I break it down to them versus something I had already planned that they would ask? And the boys asked those like standard questions, like, how do you hack into something? Whereas the girls are like, well, how do we keep people safe? Or what do we do to protect ourselves? Like they were asking the good questions and it's like, huh, like, good. I, I love to see that coming from from the younger generation that it's, it's not just seen as a boys club, at least at that age yet. I just haven't, uh, I haven't done it yet, but you bet my ass will be out there talking to the kids for sure. Yeah. We need, we need to get out there a little bit more. Um, I will say that Tiffany says, right. When it comes to that, Ashley also agrees. Not enough women go out to career day. And by the way, I'll tell you something very interesting. So my daughter turned 16 yesterday and even in her school in career day, that always like send like, we'd love for your dads to come in. And this is kind of coming from teachers talking about, you know, have parents come in. And if, if you've ever gone to career day, you see more, more men than women there. Right. And, and I think that's, that's part of it is we've, we've got to be able to talk about it from a very young age. 
I want to get to some comments so we can address them and then we'll continue our discussion here. Um, so there are a few women in leadership, but there's also fewer women in the industry. I found women who work hard tend to thrive in our industry. I, I disagree that there are fewer women in our industry. Samara, share with us how many women lead Cardinal Health because oh, uh, yeah. like who runs the Cardinal Health as girls at this point? Yeah. Um, so the women, there's there's tons. And we're actually, I think we're close to 50-50 in terms of leaders. Now, the actual boots on the ground is much different. but um, And even Cardinal Health IT, the, the women in IT, it's, it's massive. Plenty and plenty of women. We could do a lot more work um, in cyber. But um, let's see, there's Lori. My boss is also uh, a woman. The deputy CISO is, is male. Um, and then we've got a couple of director roles open as well. And I know they're looking for, you know, um, any and everyone. So I imagine some of those will be women. One of my former employers in the health space, it was, a, it was the same mix. You had uh, CISO, that was, uh, she was leading the group. Then you had the services organization led by another female. You had regional hospitals led by uh, female representatives there. And you even like the informatics team, um, they were predominantly female. So um, Maybe it's the field, right? You have uh, more women that ended up in the healthcare field, figured out that they like tech, and then they came over, and then they tend to stay in that field. Maybe that could be something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm driven uh, a lot by purpose, and I know other um, female colleagues are as well. So that could be one of them. Absolutely. Let's get to a few more comments here. Um, Aaron says you, you have to push yourself into roles you don't feel comfortable in. I do it. Ask, uh, I do it. Ask the time. Um, Ashley says this feels all about growth and being pushed outside your comfort zone. Nick has probably a very, very sweet comment to all of you. Seeing all of you on my screen fills oh, me you. with joy. Um, Aaron also says, so it's complicated. It is hard to push motivation. Those who are motivated are more, more more likely to be successful, especially for the C-suite. It can, it, it, it can be very demanding. Some just don't want that. I disagree. I think there's a work-life balance here, right, where you don't have to be all about work in order to be a CEO or a CISO or a CTO. You can be about a lot more. Naomi, how'd you do it? I make a lot more than my husband, so I wear the pants. Uh, that's basically what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, this is just the way, the controversial in, our, in our house. Um, I do a lot more work than my husband, uh, and he's happy to do it. He he does most of the childcare. It works out that way for us. But it, it took some time for us to get there. But we understand kind of like what we bring to the table. We're a team. And yeah, it just works. I'm sure it's the same for some of the other women in tech, too. Yeah. Um Ashley says, imposter syndrome is a real thing for all of us. One element that's helped me is to compare myself to you and try not, is to compare yourself to you and try not to get caught up by others' expectations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Matthew McConaughey, when he uh, won his Oscar, he gave an unbelievable speech. I don't know if you guys seen it, but he said, um, there's, there's three things that keep him going. It's, um, um, you know, the people he looks up to, um, the people he wants to impress the most and then the person he follows. And he goes, the person I follow is me in 10 years. So I goes, and I already know it's a lost battle because I'm always going to be behind myself from what I really am. But he goes, I'm not trying to follow anyone but myself 10 years from now. Um, and I think, and I think that's super awesome. And this kind of brings me to where I want to transition just for a second here. Uh, because one of, one of the reasons I wanted to bring Samara on is because we all have a similar goal with this podcast, which is breaking into cyber. And one of the biggest things that we're noticing is that we've got a lot of people who want to get into the industry. In fact, I think, uh, Naomi, how many do you have in your cyber, uh, in the cyber gatekeepers, uh, gatebreakers? Sorry, gatekeepers. Uh, we had 800 signups for volunteers. Yeah. And Samara's got 200, right? So there's a thousand people that are trying to break into security. And yet, we can't get them past the hump. And that's why I wanted to talk a little bit about the disparity in, in leadership, because I think that the disparity in leadership is also in the hiring processes as well, right? If we look at the disparity of, of, of 
who applies for what. I wonder, you know, and Naomi, this would be a really interesting survey. I wonder how many women don't apply for a role because of one, one requirement that they don't meet and how many men actually apply for a role with one requirement they don't meet. I, I actually heard the, the magic number is seven. If there are seven bullet points or fewer, you're going to have a 50-50 split between men and women applying for a job. The, not, the time it gets more than seven, so eight or more, you're actually going to have like a, a really crazy skew. It's going to be like 80-20 or something where it's men versus female or women. Sorry, she didn't use female. It's apparently an adjective. So yeah. uh, men and women. Uh, so that's the thing. If you keep it to seven or fewer, you're going to end up getting more women hires. But if you have eight or more, it's the weirdest thing. I have seen the report on this. I didn't see the data underlying it, but I believe it. Anytime I look at a new job description, I take a look and I'm, I usually just get tired after reading like, you know, 10 of them. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do all those. Well, to, to me, the first, so, so the first line is always the most dismissive line for a lot of people, right? Mm. Which is like a college degree required, like a bachelor's or equivalent. And most people can't, can't really categorize equivalent. They don't know what equivalent is. And by the way, an ATS doesn't know what an equivalent is. An ATS only knows what a bachelor's is. Oh, the classic gatekeeping of the, the college degree. I can tell you, I have so many college degrees. I don't use any of them. The only reason why I went to college is so I can grow up. I was like an immature little brat. I was like, like such, such an introverted person. It was like crazy. When I went to college, completely transformed myself because I didn't want to stay that shy, introverted person. I like took on a whole new like a persona almost where now I could actually make friends and be okay with people. Like it was just a whole different me. And the reason why I could do that is because college gave me that opportunity. Did I go to college to learn? No, I already kind of knew stuff, but I didn't, I don't think I learned anything in college. I think I learned how to study to pass a test. Yeah. And I, I learned computer engineering, which is not even close to what I'm doing now. So there you go. Monique okay. says, my mentor told me to stop focusing on what I don't have in the job description and instead focus on the great skills that I do have. That is hard for me. Um, and uh, when when I coach uh, and mentor individuals, it sixty percent of the requirements. If you have that, go ahead and apply. That that's that's all you really need because it's a wish list. And most of the times, by the time you get to the interview and you ask them what they're really looking for, the job description and the things that they list, maybe a quarter of them are really important to the hiring manager, and all the rest were fluff that. Get, got added to the process as a screening mechanism. Yeah. Do you do you all think that separating required qualifications versus preferred is helpful? Yes, because uh, what I've seen, especially from from women, is that if you have one one long list of requirements, they want to do all of them. Right. So if you separate the the required from from the preferred, they could go. I have all the required, but I maybe not don't have all the preferred. And I'm like, well, go for it. Now, if you say you don't have some of the required, I'm like, so where where, where do you feel you fall, fall short? And then you dig in a little more to see like if you're really missing the required. But the, the fact that you can separate them out, I think gives them more confidence that they, they should go ahead and apply for it. See, the problem with that though, to me is when you when you separate it out, it doesn't mean anything because at the end of the day, the ATS systems, and again, I'm going to go back to the ATS systems because that's really the number one obstacle for so many people is you're putting in the required skills. That it doesn't know how to differentiate between required and preferred. Some of them do. You could give a, a weighted value to a keyword um, as part of your search. So you could give the preferred a, a smaller um, scoring value if it's found in the resume versus like one of the required skills, give that a higher scoring mechanism. Okay. Or, or you don't be a lazy ass hiring manager and you go out and get people and then they, you get their resumes and you say, recruiter, give me this person. I don't care what you think about it. That's what Samara does. So you actually go out to recruiters and say, this is the person I want, go bring them. Yes. Sometimes. 
Yeah, and we find them through social media and their GitHub and all the things they put out there. And that's why we keep saying you need networking Network, because network, if network. you are seen more than more than just a 2D piece of paper, if you are seen as a fully baked human, people are going to be gravitated towards that. I think mm -hmm. part of the main reason why I got the job I have now is because I have been more vocal on, on social media and people are like, oh, I see her more as a person with actual like thoughts and feelings and stuff. So I'm interested. Let me talk to her. I think that's probably how it happened. It's not because I sent in my resume. I did not apply for the job I currently have. And I think a lot of people have that same story. Yeah, I need to see a digital uh, resume. Yeah. You know, I, I'd, I'd love to, like I said, I've, I'm, I'm a full proponent of getting rid of paper resumes altogether and moving to video. Um, I think video makes like. There, there's problems with that too, though. Like, there's yes. problems with that too. Like, people are just going to be biased no matter what. There's going to be unconscious bias. And if you do a video resume or whatever it is, people are going to be like, oh, that person's too old, or that person's got a weird accent, or they got a lisp or something. You know, like, I can't see myself working with them. <laughs> right? and, or or you, you have people that are shy recording themselves, yes, right? I'm comfortable yes. doing this, talking to people like on a podcast, but me recording a self myself for like a course or for a video no like i can't do that like i feel weird absolutely <laughs> so, let me push back against your unconscious bias here okay. for just a moment people can look at names schools companies you worked for yes we'll look up your social media true you can do all those things and decide beforehand they can see your profile picture and say mm -hmm. all right not not even hearing a word you said, right? Just looking at a piece of paper and looking at your Instagram page or your Twitter um, garbage dump fire or um, your liberal arts degree or <laughs> any one of those um, and decides and, and deciding that, you, that, that they're going to let their bias play a role. You know, if we're, tr what we're trying to do is make it more accessible, give people more chances and I promise you one thing, if you're trying to break into security, right, you're doing so much to focus on a piece of paper that maybe seven times out of 10 doesn't even make it, um, doesn't even make it to the hiring manager. But a video would. Uh, I don't know if I would spend my time watching video resumes. I don't know. I would rather talk to somebody, get to know them, and then give them part of my network, share my network with them. And I've made connections for people where they've landed jobs just because I got to know them. I don't have a position open for you now, but I do know somebody who does. Mm -hmm. And that's where hiring managers can help each other. It's like, if we are really serious about winning the war on cybercrime, we need more defenders. How do we get more defenders? We need to start sharing our network, making opportunities for people who don't have chances and give them chances. Teach them how to be great security professionals. They don't just spring out of the ground like groundhogs. We need to train and mentor them and then take them where they are. Like they're awesome. They're all awesome. They're all awesome. Well, some of them kind of suck, but some of them are awesome. And then you take them and you grow them. And then that's what we need. We need that. I'm so frustrated. So, but so here's, here, here's a cool comment here. And this is by Nick. Um, is it really breaking in? Because it feels like a gentle glide through the networking river that eventually leads to the lake of employment. I like that. Yeah, it's not a gentle ride. It's not a gentle ride because, I mean, for a lot of folks, especially if you're not comfortable networking, if you don't know who to network, um, if you like, you don't know what groups to reach out to, you don't know who to reach out to. If you reach out to the wrong people, you get the wrong advice, and you take that for granted, like. I wouldn't say it's a, a gentle ride by any any means. Like even back in 2012, when when I started going that route, I had a lot of people tell me like, "Oh no, this is how you have to do it." And I'm like, "No, I don't want to go that route. I don't want to do that." And I just kept going my way because I didn't want to go down the technical route. I didn't want to be a firewall administrator. I didn't want to be stuck behind a uh, a, a SOC team being a log analysis person, like, no. By the way, Chris wrote a book about breaking into cybersecurity. <laughs> yes, he did. Somebody, somebody commented on my LinkedIn post. I need to send that. 
I'm in here, James. James, I think you're in here too. James and, and me were re like referenced. I'm like, oh, dang. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> Thank you for the reference, Mr. Yeah, Fool. thanks for the reference. Um, but, but Dr. Stephanie Carter says something um, very, very good here that people should take into account when doing your paper CV is as part of your interview, either whether you're describing yourself or talking to what your weaknesses, strengths are, then you use buzzwords that companies are getting into, such as diversity and inclusion. For example, my name is Stephanie Carter, and to be a change agent for diversity and inclusion, I seek to apply for more challenging roles. When you say those buzzwords, it makes hiring managers pay attention, especially if you fall into the those diversity and inclusion groups. Yeah, that'll get you through the robots that are uh, recruiters as well. Ooh, diversity. Mm, uh, I have so, so many yeah. feelings about this. Listen, you'll get you'll get diversity if we get rid of the unconscious bias and the poor hiring practices. I am convinced of this. I do not think we should lower any bars. I don't think you should be like, let's make it easier for people to more diverse people to come in, which is, by the way, the most racist thing you can say. He's like, obviously, these people can't get in on their own. So we have to make it easier for them. That is racist. Like you're trying to not be racist by being racist. Like, think about it. Ugh. You know what I tell other hiring managers that are, they're like, what is your advice when, you know, you're, you know, getting high, uh, getting out there and uh, recruiting people? I was like, how about you just get your head out of your ass and do something you haven't done? <laughs> like, I, I hope that my peers appreciate me. I do, because I give it to them straight every single time. Or just I'll, like, I'll ask, like, ask a, a, a problem that you're facing, like, generally out to the community and if you get a response from someone that is open to work or not even necessarily flagging themselves as open to work, but you like the way they think, go get to know them. Mm -hmm. You'll probably work with them in some time in the future. See them as individuals, not as their skin color. Wow. What a, so, what a thought. I don't know which like, LinkedIn user that? this is, but I th um, this is Dima. She, she says, I wish I can just send in a resume that says, please check my LinkedIn profile for more no. information. No, no, no. I, I see too many LinkedIn profiles that are absolute garbage. All they list is the company that you work for. You don't put anything in there. Um, you, you see that a lot with individuals that don't come from a tech and cyber field, um, say the military, say construction, say any field that isn't that might not be analytical. Um, they just put the job description and their title. And if that's all you're presenting to the world, you're not marketing yourself for the role that you want to be. So, all right, here's, here's something about that though, is if people really did though build a good LinkedIn profile, why not do that? I mean, you could technically export your profile into PDF on LinkedIn. I mean, that's that's a lazy person CV, by the way. Yes. Just pay someone to build your LinkedIn profile, then just said export to PDF and submit it. Um, but last week we talked a little bit about cover letters, and I think that's that's. Let's talk a little bit more about that to a lot of people because we often talk about CVs, but we kind of forget cover letters. Um, Samara, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead, I, please. I've never read a, 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 a cover letter, read a cover or, letter? Or maybe written one in ten. And usually, if they require a cover letter, I second I love them cover if letters. I want to work for that company. It, it fills in the gaps that don't I can't be explained on your resume. You know, you got a, a career gap or whatever. Like, explain that. Be like, hey, you know, I, I took some time off to to do something, take care of my kids, whatever it is. Like, you can explain that. And and by the way, while I was doing that, I was doing night school. I was reading books about cybersecurity. There's ways you can explain things on your resume that otherwise couldn't be explained. And a cover letter is the perfect way to do that. It doesn't have to go into crazy depth. But it shows your personality. It shows your your ability to write, uh, how to be funny. Like, there's all these things you can do in your cover letter that you can't do in your resume. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I agree. But I, I also like, um, I've seen this a couple times and I've done it, where um, yeah. on the application process, they do have an extra line. If you want to add anything else, upload this. So um, usually like a bio or like links to things that you've done, like that stuff is so useful. So that's it goes back to that digital resume, like put something out there so you can include that in your process because it differentiates you. Yeah, you people. want to be seen as a fully baked human, not just a 2D piece of paper. So we live in a digital world that's run by social media platforms and online identities. 
and yet the hiring process still seems as inundated as it was during World War II, right? If we go back 75 years, you still create a piece of paper. You still, you know, back then people would like go to the business and actually fill out it. How many of us got a job? All right, so we're going to age ourselves. How many have to physically go apply for your first job? Like you have to go in, grab a clipboard, go sit in the corner, fill it out, pretend to like the person who handed you the clipboard, right? (laughs) And submit it and be like, when's someone going to call me back? All right, thank you. And dress all nice to apply. Today you can apply for a video store. Literally in your underwear, (laughs) in your underwear, sitting at home, smoking a joint, drinking some bourbon. That's how some people apply for jobs today. So why is the process still World War II inundated when we should digitize it, when we should digitize it? We need to flip hiring all in its head, like get rid of resumes, get rid of interviews, like do project-based everything. Be like, show me you can do this and explain it to me. Like those are the two things. Like, can you do the job? Are you competent? And are you kind of a nice person to work with? Like, that's it. You don't I would need challenge to- your project-based one. Why? Go ahead. So if you're uh, an individual working two or tr- three jobs just to satisfy your company, and then to get a new job, you have to work on a 10 or 20-hour project just to get an interview, and then you get nothing back from that, like from that company, it's essentially like you're getting free work from those that apply. And I, 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 I don't agree idea. with that. We can be careful with the projects. Don't make it 20 hours long. Make it 20 minutes long. You know, and then well, if they pass hang it on, up, That's not a project. Minutes. That's a quiz then. Okay, a quiz. <laughs> but, but, depends, but depends on the role, right? If you're trying to hire someone who's just trying to break into the industry, then maybe you do a capture the flag or maybe you run some sort of virtualized training where you bring – like remember those weird group interviews where they stick 60 people in a room and, you know – You've got the loud person, you've got the quiet person, you've got, you know, you know, the person who's like making fun of the whole process because really they're just (laughs) just making fun of you now, James. Right. I'm describing our whole group now. But why are why haven't we taken that maybe and made it into more of a I've got an open sock analyst position, I'm doing a capture the flag, all these different people apply. Right. Doesn't matter. Get in, do the work. And then we're going to take maybe the top 10 and take them through another set of, you know, skill testing. And then we'll do actual interviews with the hiring managers. I love that idea. That's, or, that's perfect. Or, or we can do an entire talent show. Ooh. Get on stage. I want to be Gordon Ramsay slash Simon Cowell <laughs> slash whoever's the mean guy on the show. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I do. I, I could get on board with the capture the flag idea, right? Um, you, you set a time limit, 15, 20 minutes to, to get the flag. You, you, you post several flags along the way. You, you see how they do it. Um, I, I could get on board with that. Like back in the day, they used to have like you go to a, a testing center to do like Word, Excel, Outlook type testing. And if you want someone to have those skills, there's a valid requirement for that. Um, but like a, a project, like a case study for that, a lot of those big consulting companies use that they want like a whole week's worth of analysis in there. Like that then becomes something that you use to discriminate against people that don't have the time to be able to afford to dedicate like 40 hours to applying to one company and risk not getting it. But they're doing that now. They're wasting all this time applying for jobs. I know people who have applied to hundreds of jobs with no callback. They're being ghosted from day one. Well, that's because you're using a horrible strategy. It's a horrible. I mean, that's oh, come on, Chris. How is that a horrible? It, people are looking for jobs. They're applying. That's what they do. When well, they're they not being smart work. with their time. That's what it, you're If you hit apply, apply, apply to every single job that comes down, that's a horrible strategy. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. That's the rule of big numbers. He wrote a book about it, James. I think he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> no, I mean, well, you want to talk about authors who've written books who had no position? Right? I'm not saying Chris <laughs> is one of them. Stay on topic. Stay fired. on topic. <laughs> I mean, that's how I got, that's how I made it though. I just started, like I said, through caution to the wind. And I don't think Chris is here for that though, but, um, and I got my shot. I just want to point out one thing because my, my wife is here and she's in the background and she's like, tell Chris 
that the Prime Minister of Israel, Bennett, wrote a book about how to get out of COVID and then subsequently followed nothing in his book and ended up bringing Israel back into COVID and potential lockdowns. Wait, so, like Joe Rogan? That's right. He's never going to do our voiceover. Dang it. <laughs> Thanks for ruining it. I'll have to bring Ludacris to do the voiceover and yeah, little John. We'll settle for Luda. And Usher, because that's how we do it in ATL. Little John, huh? Talk about aging yourself a little bit. Talk about aging ourselves, yeah. <laughs> we need some more updated uh, stars here. And just for the record, I know you guys know I'm young and all that, but I, I have filled out paper, uh, clipboard, and everything. You know, like a string that connects the pen to the clipboard? Yeah. The whole nine yards. Whole nine yards. Well, this might be the comment. What, what is my social? A 15-year-old filling out an application. Call my mom. Call my mom. Um, Monique, Monique brought up a great one. And you brought a pre-written thank you note to leave uh, a free thank you card to leave with the receptionist. or you know, Like, thank you so much for taking time to read my application. And well, I mean, thank you. Those are scented or done on like not standard paper, like a kind of like a really expensive, the fancy, piece of the perfume paper. Fancy. But thank you notes are a good idea. You just want to be specific. You don't just be like, thank you for your time. Like, be specific about why you want their conversation and what you think you can bring and bring up points that were made during the interview and be like, and I just want to follow up on this topic or whatever. Like, you can be a lot more thorough in your thank you notes. I've seen some really good ones. You're not talking about physical notes, though, right? No, you, yes. you, don't do that. Wait, you don't yes. want to be like the weirdo sending. Well, back like, in the day, you had to. Well, yeah. so, so you can mail it to the corporate headquarters to that person. Well, that was well, the only way. OSINT, find out where the hiring manager lives oh, and no. mail it to his house. No, 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 no. 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 Why does it got to be at his house? I mean, Seriously, we're just talking about that. James does this a lot. He uses the male pronouns a lot. I mean, I hire for Intel, right? So if they do OSINT on him, well, yeah. I, I saw a, a Twitter trend where um, a female in cybersecurity went to a bar. A guy that she just said hi to at the bar ended up leaving a letter in her in her apartment that same night, say with his phone number. And then the next night, she went to the bar, asked her if she got it. Yeah, that's creepy, Osint. I don't have yeah, that's I, have, I have nothing appropriate to say. <laughs> I have nothing, but I do want to take it to Ashley's question because I think it's a very good one. How to avoid being ghosted in LinkedIn messages, even by hiring managers. Ooh, ooh, Go ahead, Samara. Okay. Um, so I'm going to be honest here. I do not want to hear your whole spiel. Don't send me a novel about yourself. You just need to, to hook me in some way, right? And what I generally do, this is personally what I generally do, which is anyone, is I appeal to their ego. People love talking about themselves. I love talking about myself. Hit me up. Oh, I'd love to know a little bit more about your journey. And then, you know, do that gentle glide. Whoever said that, that gentle glide, they'd slide and, <laughs> you know, to, to talk about the, the role that you might have open or future roles. I love that. Uh, yeah. One hook that's been getting me really interested lately are video messages on LinkedIn. I've responded every single time someone sent me a video message or even an audio message. I find them so novel and so cool that I'm like, you spent 15 seconds of your life to send me a video. I am going to reply to you. And that's what I do. Absolutely. Yeah, it's cute. To, to now it's cute. To, that, but... to add to that, like comment on some of the things that they post, right? You see that they, they posted this integrate what they're posting, what they're doing, either to your message or like if they post a role that, that you're interested in, say, oh, that's a really cool role. Like I, I, I'd be interested in that. Do you mind if I reach out to you? And most of the time they're gonna say yes. And then you reach out to them. And for not being ghosted, you actually have a conversation with them and not just ask like, did I get picked? Like, what are the next steps? Like share information so you know they're hiring for OSINT. Um, share a useful article. Share something mm -hmm. that shows that you're on in context about what you're interested in. Or you're giving them value, you're not just asking yes. for a favor. And I hate when somebody's like, just send, like they just send me their resume with no intro and they're like, can you review my resume? I'm like, thanks for the homework. I don't even know you. Why are you sending this? <laughs> I know. Like I, my time is limited. I, it's when it's, once it's spent, I can't get it back. Like I'm happy to help you, but please let me get to know you first. Jeez, don't just give me yeah, the homework I, and leave. I, I, I like the one-liners I get like, hey, um, I hear you're uh, reviewing CVs for people. Here's mine. Yeah. 
can you have it done by tomorrow? And yeah. I'm like, this is actually um, what happens all the time. Yeah, I, I don't work for you. Um, I've got other stuff I've got to take care of, buddy. I, I dedicate a specific time of day in a week to, mm -hmm. to kind of do the stuff that I do. And so, you know, uh, definitely don't do that. Um, there's, there's also the, the LinkedIn automated feature that, oh, you work at company. And the one I love the most is, hey, I saw you work at Confidential and I just applied for a role. <laughs> I get that um, all the time. <laughs> I work at Confidential, um, and you thought Confidential was a real company? Um, or did you have a specific other company in mind that, that you thought I worked for? I'm just curious. I love when people look at Confidential's website and realize <laughs> that Confidential's website talks about the company really wanting, you know, outsource software development because, you know, it's really important. And I'm like, you got all of that from, you know, sometimes you got to have fun. And so I don't know why none, why you don't reply and just say, you got all of that from Confidential's website? That's unbelievable. Could you show me the reference to the web pages you saw all this stuff on? I'm really curious. <laughs> like, have fun with people, man. Um, but Zoe says, I've never reached out to recruiters, but I have reached out to people who work at the companies I like and connect with them. Then I try to be as visible as possible and that is also very that's good zoe zoe's doing um, right reach out to yeah. everyone they start recommending you to other people and making connections for you that's what you want to see that's the best way to be introduced to somebody is through, mm -hmm. somebody. through so somebody. people that's how we met tomorrow exactly it's exactly yeah. Yeah. but if the people in your network aren't introducing you to other people they're not worth it and now we're going to hang out next week you and yeah. me see? lunch yeah. three hour lunch three hour lunch yeah. never Okay. I'll forget to mask up. <laughs> yeah. Three hour lunch. What are you guys eating? I don't know, actually. <laughs> are you guys like something amazing? Actually, like, are you guys getting the chicken, killing, skinning it, killing it, <laughs> cooking it, waiting for it, then eating it? Is is that kind of like? Is it one of those like fully hands on? Yeah, like probably twice. Yeah. <laughs> twice. Two chickens. <laughs> Oh, that's creepy is one of the comments from, from LinkedIn. What? That's not, what, killing a chicken? Come on. My neighbors have chickens. I've seen them slaughter them in the park, like the nearby park. I'm like, is this a, is this legal? I don't know. They were like literally skinning the chicken or pulling. Now, now you've just reminded me of that Parks and Rec episode where um, Ron Swanson brings a pig to the park. <laughs> oh. Oh um, so, so you know what? Let's talk about unifying efforts, right? Because so many people are trying to get into the industry. And I don't think the problem is helping these people break in. I think the problem is more we've got to do some outreach to upper management, right? And get upper management to really get those risks. What are some of our best practices maybe as a group and maybe how others here who have influence on upper management can do to really get some of these people at least through an interview so that they kind of get those no's out of the way so they can get a yes. Well, recommend people. If you're, if you're in upper management and you see someone qualified for a role on someone else's team, recommend them, like be proactive. Um, if you're mentoring someone, if you're coaching someone, if someone else in your network says, hey, I'm working with this person, they're looking for so-and-so role and you know of that role, as a third connection, just pass on pass on that individual. Say someone in my network has been coaching with them, says really good things about them. I think you should interview them. And you're honest about it, right? You're not saying that you know this person and you're great. You're just saying someone in my network that I trust, trust this person, the web of trust, pass it on. The web of trust. <laughs> well, I also, I don't, um, I don't hand resumes to hiring managers who don't hire based on potential, hmm. especially the entry level ones. If they are like experienced hogs, they want everyone to have five years. I don't even waste my time. I'm not going to waste my effort on that. Could you try to reform them? Some well, people are past reforming, honestly. I, I, you know, I try at first the initial get your head out of your ass, and then I start to, you know, gentle a little bit more. Hey, how about you try to get your head out of your ass? I do that too. I actually look. 
I look at the job description before I pass it on to anyone. And then I try to change the mind of the hiring manager. If I see a lot of gatekeeping going on, I'm like, have you considered having like one person just emailed me a, J- a JD for a SOC analyst and it required like six years of a SIM experience Ooh. and log analysis and stuff. I'm like, what, have you considered level? less years of experience because you can learn this. And I was trying my little tricks to like break down the gates. And he was like, yeah, I think I could make it down to two years. I was like, good for you. See, like, that's not bad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's all um, it takes. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a need for a shift. And that shift has to come in the way we start to look at potential and define what potential is. And you talked about a SOC analyst with six years of SIM experience. Come that's on. Had, yeah. You know, no one, if you're in a SOC for six years, you're 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 managing the damn thing at this point or you're right? terrible at it yeah or you're, or you're super terrible at it right like like th- those are those are one of the th- those are the only two options where someone would have six years of some experience and those are, and that's not the person you want to hire to your sock mm-hmm. like literally the turnover in the turnover in sock is critical so we did the uh, veterans breaking into cybersecurity last Friday and, and Chris was there and, and, and many others. And one of the things we talked about, um, one of the things I brought up is you don't necessarily need to be IT to get into cyber. There's so many non-IT roles within security. And so often when we, we do the, when we do CISO Thursdays, people talk about the IT aspect of it. If you're not strong at IT, you don't have to be to get into cyber. There's plenty of roles that require you know, people have good copywriting skills for policy work, people who have, uh, you know, kind of a deductive data mindset where they can look at, you know, data and, and, and you know, reach conclusions or reach recommendations and writing policies and documentation. I Marketing, can teaching. We need Listen, all of those. If you enjoy writing and you're not going into documentation and security, you don't understand what you're missing out on. That is literally the most extensive writing you'll ever do in your life. Unfortunately, policies, <laughs> in my view, should only be a page long at most. Then That's have- like laws. Like laws shouldn't be more than seven pages. <laughs> Walking lizards on treadmills, James. <laughs> Walking lizards on treadmills. One and a half million dollars of our hard-earned taxpayer money goes to putting lizards <laughs> on, on freaking treadmills. Yeah. That is literally what our so many questions about that. Yeah. ASVAB for cybersecurity. I think that would be good. Um, actually, I was listening to a fellow podcaster um, called uh, Aware Security, um, and the host does a personality uh, quiz and characterizes it into 20 different personality types. You're talking about George Feeney's uh, yes. podcast? Well yes, aware. that's the one. Uh, yes, yeah, well yeah. aware. George Feeney over at SMU. Yes. Yeah, yeah, his 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 book is is awesome. But I I think like having that sort of personality test can help seg not segregate like that's a horrible word um, can help guide you where you want to go in different aspects of cybersecurity because if you hate analysis if you hate looking at logs don't become a SOC analyst because that will be your life. Personality yeah. test for cybersecurity. Uh, well, I still like the idea of diversity of thought. So don't have all of the ENTJs or whatever it is in one group. Don't have all the INFEs, whatever it is. <laughs> like, don't, s- split them up a little bit. But yeah, I, I hear you. I like the idea. Personality but, tests. Yeah. But but I think personalities are based on teams. Like one thing I can tell you is I spent a lot of time with Lori over at Cardinal Health. <laughs> and I see the difference in her team. Um, her team is very not, not only diverse from a gender or background perspective, it's also diverse in thought. And people have different th- like thought processes and and like like Jana goes through a whole different thought process than Brittany, than Samara, than Lori, than other people on the team. Um, and that's how you really build effective programs. And I think in security, that's even more critical. And I think that's the education we have to focus on is how do we build more of that? We are out of time, folks. We've literally reached the top of the hour. Can you believe it? And Chris didn't drop off <laughs> at the bottom half of the hour. He stayed with us the whole day. Wow, Chris. That was for me. Thanks, Chris. 
appreciate it. I, I took some time off from work this week, so um, I don't have a meeting right now because I'm not working. That's I enjoyed having off time. Awesome. Naomi, thank you for being with us. I know you got to run. We're going to wrap up here in just a minute. I want to ask everyone one kind of one big thing. One, if you have not subscribed to the Breaking Into Cybersecurity podcast, please do so now. If you're not following Samara, Naomi, Chris, Renee, or myself on LinkedIn, do so right now as well. Um, just go find us on LinkedIn and connect. I think I speak for all of us here when I say we connect with anyone. Um, you know, as long as you're not, as long as your first message isn't, uh, what kind of EDR solution are you using in your business today? Um, then I think we're, we're going to get along just fine. Um, and I speak that on behalf of all of us here by saying that we're here to absolutely and positively help. Um, it's Labor Day weekend, everyone. Go enjoy your weekend. Disconnect. Really kind of disconnect a little bit from, from burnout um, and from the job search and refresh um, and come back um, for um, everyone. Um, Chris, any parting words? Uh, no. Thank you for joining us. If you're on uh, YouTube, don't forget to subscribe, hit that notification button so we come up uh, next time on your browser. If you are following us on podcast, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and share it with all your favorite people. That's how we could get more folks into the industry. Samara? I, I'm, I'm on Twitter now. I'm much more active. So reach out, hit me up. Oh, come on. Twitter's awesome. You should see the stuff I post on there. It's a good Friday. Um, but yeah, and also don't make life harder than it needs to be. Take a time. All right, here's the deal. Patch, look at your vulnerabilities. It's a holiday weekend, meaning uh, threat actors are out there looking for you, number one. Number two, for all of our Jewish audience, Shana Tova, it's the Jewish New Year on Tuesday, uh, Monday night, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So it's the Jewish New Year. So Shana Tova to anyone who is celebrating um, the Jewish New Year. Happy Labor Day weekend to everyone. And until next time, folks, cheers. We'll be back yeah. next week. Thanks. Bye. Right. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.